What if today was your last day? There are only 3,500 heart transplants a year. 50,000 people need them per year. Obviously, not everyone will get one. 87 out of 100 people who have a heart transplant survive at least one year. About 50 out of 100 survive for 10 years. And even if you're one of the miracles to both get and receive a heart transplant, your life could be cut short as early as five years after the surgery. Pretty crazy, right? My dear friend, Don Miguel Ruiz, had a heart transplant in 2009. Listen in as he quickly shares his perspective about how he lives his life. What would you say has gotten you to that point of experiencing that level of recognition that you know now could be your last day? Well, it's been a practice from more than 25, 30 years, maybe more, that I've been uh, like this way most of the time. So beautiful. It's, it's completely normal. It's, it's, it's how I live my life. <laughs> it's become the new stable datum for you. This is your life now. Well, for me, it's not that new because it's so many years living this way. Oh, you're completely bringing me to a level of presence and love and consciousness, which is needed today. So thank you for that. Oh, you're just extremely welcome. Yes, I'm just so <laughs> grateful for that. The gratitude Miguel has for his own life is very present. My gratitude for him as well. Let's explore work satisfaction for a moment. A recent Gallup poll states that 70% of people are unhappy at work. Can you imagine working 8 to 10 hours per day, miserable in a job you hate? Maybe you're frustrated in your job or can't stand your boss. You do not hand in crap like this. I should fire you and burn down your friggin' house. Or maybe you want to start your own business, or maybe you already have. Here's a rub. You may not earn as much. You will work much longer hours. You'll face many fears and challenges, not to mention cutthroat competition. Don't despair, however. Running your own business is likely to make you a much happier person. It is proven that the self-employed enjoy significantly higher life satisfaction than people who are in wage employment. What a relief, eh? Another very important thing to consider is that money can only buy happiness up to a point. For example, the happiness benchmark in the state of California is just over $95,000 per year. What this means is that making $250,000 a year or even more might not make a big difference. Makes sense, right? Being able to give to charity or have the space to follow your passion will increase your happiness as well. Feel-good hormones like serotonin, oxytocin, endorphins, and dopamine is released when a person sees a direct positive result from their good deeds. Isn't that what we all want, to feel good? It's for sure a major goal of mine, experiencing true happiness from living a meaningful life. That said, acquiring stuff does not make us happier. Chasing the elusive dragon of gaining happiness from acquiring things is clearly not the answer. As the awakened poet Rumi says, be suspicious of what you want. Totally makes sense, yes? Now quickly imagine if you're one of these people in need of a heart. If this was your last day, did you really live it fully? Did you play full out? If not now, when? I've come up with five fears or dragons that could be stopping you from taking the leap and breaking free. They could be preventing you from living your dream life. And I've faced all of these myself and continue to every day. They never really go away. We just learn to leverage them and integrate them. 
The cool thing is that I'm now living in beautiful Costa Rica and have a thriving, meaningful business that serves many from around the world. This all happened because I faced my dragon and took the leap. You with me? Now, let's quickly go through the five dragons now. A deeper dive is available in the show notes and at faceyourdragon.com. Dragon number one, that you'll be found out as an imposter or fraud. Dragon number two, that when you put yourself out there, people won't want what you're offering. Dragon number three, that you'll never have the courage to charge what you know you're worth. Dragon number four, that your tribe won't get you or understand the difference you can make for them. And dragon number five, that if you do achieve the dream, you'll be criticized or your personal life will suffer. We'll be going into more detail of these throughout all podcast episodes. But before we dive in, I want to share a quick and very personal story with you, one that is tough for me to share for many reasons. I have fear coming up as I'm about to share this. I have not shared this publicly until now. Check this out. As I built out the Face Your Dragon brand and platform, I rushed myself to the emergency room with chest pain. I literally thought I was having a heart attack and was going to die. Have you ever had chest pain? It's really freaking scary. After some tests, they sent me home telling me I was fine. This being a stressful time in my life, I was certain there was something wrong. Turns out it was a bulging disc in my thoracic, radiating pain into my chest. Damn, that was so scary. Sometimes we're literally having pain in our physical body or something sad happened and we're grieving. Other times our hearts will ache because we're not living our purpose. The heart has many levels and does so much for us. Know what I mean? We all have fear. I've lived with massive fear throughout my life, even while building out this podcast. What if nobody likes it? What if I screw it all up? Fear is a daily occurrence for me and I'm sure you as well. I faced many of them while competing semi-professionally in action sports. I played full out in the number one most physically demanding sport on the planet, motocross. Man, that sport was tough and sketchy, but so worth it. Those were some of the most exciting and fun days of my life. Funny how fear and excitement seem to go hand in hand, yes? Now, fast forward several years, I produced almost 200 live events with some of the biggest thought and business leaders on the planet, regularly speaking in front of audiences over 100 people, all while having a major fear of public speaking. I'm even a founding member of the Association of Transformational Leaders. I've been featured on NBC Nightly News, PBS Television, USC News 21, LA Times, Orange County Register. Still, with all of these amazing things going on in my life, I had major fear. Are you with me? Of course, all of the dragons I shared before were very present, breathing fire on me, testing my resolve. Understanding the heart and neuroscience behind it all will help make sense of it. Listen in as my dear friend and fellow member of the Association of Transformational Leaders, Bruce Cryer, shares about fear and the heart from the HeartMath perspective. He was CEO of the HeartMath Institute for over two decades. One of the biggest contributions that the HeartMath research over the past 25 years uh, since we first started the organization is the idea that our emotional state directly affects the functioning of our heart, which in turn directly affects hormonal output, our brain, and a whole host of systems and functions in our body. It's not subtle. And specifically, states like fear or anger or any extreme, quote, stressful emotion starts a chain reaction in the heart where the rhythmic patterns become more chaotic. As we all know, when you're, when you're freaked out, when you're panicking, your heart's going crazy, right? You can feel it like literally almost jumping out of your chest. 
that signal is not just isolated to the heart because the heart is so powerful rhythmically and electrically, the signal, that chaotic signal of fear or anger is sent to every part of our body. Every cell receives that signal. Well, think of what that means to the brain and our ability to make a good decision when panicking or to even perform in a balanced way, fight, flight, or freeze. And we're not at our best in any of those three options. <laughs> I mean, sometimes we have to flee, that is survival, but fighting is often not the right response, neither is freeze. So we're not at our best. I think what HeartMath figured out is when you can shift out of a state of fear or even neutralize that fear, even temporarily neutralize that fear, your whole system comes to more of a state of balance or what HeartMath has termed coherence. I will be interviewing Bruce for a full episode soon. Super excited about that. He's amazing. More from Bruce later. Welcome to the Face Your Dragon podcast, where we help you, a messenger with a mission, leverage your fear to amplify your voice in the world. On the show, we open up the concept that what you are most afraid of and most resisting are the very things that will set you free. With courage, with clarity, with contribution, you can have it all. This show will engage in deep, enriching conversation with thought leaders, best-selling authors, celebrities, athletes, icons, and regular Joes who have faced their fear and are now using it to create impact in the world. I'm Brad Axelrad, and I'll be your host. Continuing the conversation about the heart, we explore the heart and love with one of my all-time favorite authors and dear friends, Don Miguel Ruiz the brilliant and loving author of the international best-selling book, The Four Agreements. This material has always had a place in my heart. It's changed my life on so many levels. I've read it well over 10 times and always recommend everyone I know to read this amazing material. It made perfect sense to speak to Miguel as he's all about the heart. After a major heart attack in 2002, he was in a coma for nine weeks. And as I mentioned before, he had a heart transplant in 2009. It's been said that Miguel gave so much love through his heart to other people that he literally wore it out. Pretty crazy, right? Listen as we explore the heart on many levels. Each level provides meaning to you as you dive deeper into the fears that guard you and your heart from opening fully to love or fully to your purpose, preventing you from saying yes in a bigger way. As a quick reminder, the four agreements are be impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions always do your best. And Miguel speaks often of this truth in his material. The human mind is sick with a disease called fear. The manifestation of the disease of fear is anger, hate, sadness, envy, and hypocrisy. The result of the disease is all the emotions that make us suffer. Listen in now as the master Miguel shares some Toltec wisdom with us. How did you experience fear when you started your public work? Well, I really was not afraid because it was a long, long time ago when I discovered that there's two ways to see fear. And fear is something completely normal. It's something that we all feel. And it's a great tool because fear will let us know that we are in danger, that our body's in danger, that our mind is in danger. Then fear is going to make us go cautious when something is not safe. The fear is not a problem at all. The problem is when the fear becomes irrational, when it's just fear for fear with no reason. It mainly is a result of something, a trauma or trauma that we perceive, and we keep it in our mind and our mind make it bigger. Oh, it's so true. I mean, it, it's so primal and automatic. 
man, can you share a little more around how to sort of manage it? It sounds like you've integrated it and you're using the fear or leveraging it or just being with it. How does that show up? Well, fear is not our enemy. It's our ally. It helps us to survive. Yeah, I'm just really sitting with that because I couldn't agree more. So, you know, as Joseph Campbell says, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. I just love that so much because that means that there's an opportunity to actually move through the fear. And on the other side of that fear is our greatest gift to humanity. Do you agree with that? Oh, definitely. We can see that the biggest fear that humans have is the fear of the unknown. That really causes a lot of fear. Right. Uh, to have fear, it doesn't mean not to have courage. We have courage. And by facing fear, the things that we scare us, we gain, you know? That's so spot on, Miguel. I mean, I'm just feeling myself get more present and less afraid. I mean, I've got to come clean. When I was going to interview you today, I was definitely having a lot of nerves like, wow, how's the podcast going to go? And, you know, where are we going to have a good conversation? But now that we're in it, I feel completely surrendered and totally alive and happy to have this conversation. And this is, you know, like I've been saying for years, my greatest fear has been public speaking. And that's obviously one of the biggest fears on the planet. And I'm also recognizing it's also my greatest gift. Well, we can say that, uh, like you say, facing the dragon, you are the dragon. Facing yourself. Indeed. It's it's always an inside job, right? Oh, definitely. <laughs> like you say that you were you was afraid to speak. Well, you have enough courage to speak. And when you start speaking, you feel the adrenaline. And you feel alive. You feel strong. Right. And you are facing that fear. And we make the assumption that fear is a, is about the people who are listening to us that they're going to criticize us, that they're going to have all those opinions and judgments about us. Right. But the truth is that we have the fear of the judgments that we will have about ourselves. Oh. And that is the dragon that we are facing. It's so true. And then all the chemicals that happened through that experience, man, I couldn't agree more. So if you did have a fear, Miguel, what's your greatest fear that you're afraid to share right now? It's hard to say because I, don't, I hardly have those kind of fear. Because I, I'm not afraid of, of what you're thinking or the people thinking about what I'm saying, to be accepted or unaccepted. Then I faced that a long, long time ago that it's just history. It's not real. A big fear should be the loss of someone that I love so much. But it's not really fear because it's not happening right now. If I see that somebody is dying for whatever reason, maybe the, the fear will be not to have enough power to help them. It. So not being able to help them either transition or help them with their pain or whatever it is, something like that. Just to help. And it's not really a fear. But I think it's the closest uh, thing that, of fear. And of course, if I see a spider attacking me, I will be <laughs> scared. But this is normal fear. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the tiger, if the tiger's chasing you, right? So when, when was the last time you really felt, I mean, if you can even remember, felt fear? Well, real fear. Maybe to see the, my my son's dog dying. Wow. But more than because of the dog, because uh, my son's feelings for the dog. And there's nothing I can do to help him, really, because he have all those emotions. Well, I just love him. In certain way, I, I wish that I could feel that instead of him, but this is not possible because I yeah. am not him. 
Miguel, what, you know, you've had a heart transplant. I don't know the statistics as to how many people on the planet have had an actual heart transplant. Do you know the answer to that? No, not really. I've never really thought about it. I can't imagine it's that many people, but I mean, how was that experience for you? Well, I think it was a very great experience. You know, the whole thing begins with my heart attack in 2002. When I wake up from nine weeks of coma, the news, uh, the doctors tell me is that I was living with the 16% of the heart capacity. They told me that I may live maybe one year more, and if I'm lucky, a couple of years more, because the damage was so big that my body will not survive. And when, when was the transplant? It's about five years ago? Almost five years ago. Okay. Four and a half years ago. And the heart attack was in 2002, February 2002. Then I live eight and a half years before I had the heart transplant. Wow. And Miguel, I've heard from some people that you've given so much love away from your heart and through your heart that you may have actually worn it out. I love that metaphor, if that's actually... I mean, what's your feeling around that? Well, it's a normal way of being because in reality, what we are, we are love, all of us, even if we don't know, even if we think that we don't feel it. We are love. The problem is that the love that we feel is being completely distorted. And the love that we show since we were children is exactly the opposite of love. When we was born, we have that unconditional love for no reason. And there, there was no words to explain it. We just feel it. But when we grow up, we see the way everybody around us love. Our family, at school, society, everybody around us, they love with conditions. And we learn to love with conditions. And that's how we love everybody around us. But also everybody loves us with conditions. Of course, I love you if you let me control you. If you do whatever I told you to do, the relationship will be wonderful. But that's the way that everybody loves us also. But the worst part is that we learn to love ourselves also with conditions. And I only love myself if I'm able to be the way I wish to be. Then even the love of ourselves is conditional. And because of that, we can understand completely how humanity works. Because if we understand that we love with conditions and everybody else do the same thing, we will understand all the conflicts, all the injustice, all the violence, including war. It is something extremely simple. But when you learn to love yourself without conditions, you find that inner peace. And you live so happy with yourself. And you respect your own beliefs. You respect your own body. You respect everything that you do and what you don't do. And because you have all that love for yourself and all that respect, that is what you do with everybody around you. Then you love and respect your parents, your beloved, your children, your friends, and everybody around you, your business, whatever you do, is based in that unconditional love. In the mastery of love, you speak about how in relationships, there's typically one who's the giver of the love or has the control of it, turning the faucet up or down, essentially. And then there's the addict of the love. That sounds like a controlling dynamic or potentially, I mean, we're always in that sort of 
controlling dynamic. Can you speak more to the control there with love? Well, we can see that one of the biggest fear that we all have is not to have control because we love with conditions. Then we are afraid that we cannot control our beloved, that we cannot control our children, that we cannot control the outcome, that we cannot even control ourselves. Because let's see, if we start drinking, we will be so afraid to lose control and to start doing and saying things that we don't want to and pay the consequences for that. Once again, we're facing that inner dragon that we are. Man, I'm pausing between asking questions because this is really, really putting me into a state of contemplation, and I'm sure all the listeners, the Dragon Tribe as well. How has the overcoming of your fears and the integration of your fears allowed you to sort of love more and use that in both your life and your life's work? Well, every time that you face any irrational fear, you find out that that fear was not even real. <laughs> Disappear. And every time that any irrational fear disappears, you trust yourself even more. You really have more faith in yourself. And every time that you say something, that you act in a certain way, you have all that faith in yourself that you don't doubt yourself any longer. Then you can see that dragon that you were facing becomes completely your ally and is helping you in your path to unconditional love. Because then you become full of gratitude. Because this is what makes you even love more. We can say that that unconditional love is an equilibrium between gratitude and generosity. Because when you are grateful, you become also very generous. And you give more and more and you receive even more and more. Then we can say that you are rising in love. You are not falling in love the way you do with conditional love. Because in conditional love, you try to impose your will to your beloved, and she will resent you for that. And she will stop being generous with you. And if you don't feel her generosity, then you're not generous with her either. Then you both start falling in love, in conditional love. And sooner or later, you just create your own personal heaven or a society hell. Because when both of you try to control each other, you can see that you guys, you guys are going to have a conflict. You can become violent with a lot of injustice until you lose the respect. And when you lose respect, the entire uh, relationship will sink, really. So if it gets to that point where you're in a, in a living hell... How do you shift from that? What are some of the practices people can do here to shift from control and domination and fear-based conditional love to unconditional love? Well, we need to have the awareness. First, to be aware that we live in the story that we create because all of our life is nothing but a story. And it's not real. It's not true. Perhaps it feels true for ourselves, but it's not real. It never was true. Of course, it's based in reality, some things that really happen. But right now, all your past is not real. It's only your memory. Whatever happened to you 10 years ago, 20 years ago, is not true any longer. Then when we have this awareness that our life is just a story, and if we see that it's based in the decisions that we make in every single moment, 
And because our memory is very powerful, then we make it even bigger and bigger. We create our own personal hell and it's extremely contagious. Then when we have that awareness and we want to stop being the way we are, the only thing that we can do is to change ourselves, not to try to change everybody around us. We need to change the main character of that story, which is you. I think that's the biggest shift in humanity is taking responsibility, right? For our own experience. And that image of you right, is what you guys call the dragon. Because you are the dragon. You are the Josh. You are the parasite. You are the one who stopped you from being happy to enjoy life. Because you think you know yourself very well. And you know everything that makes you happy, everything that can stop you. And you use it against yourself. Then you become that big dragon that you want to face. But is that really you? Do you think that you are what you believe you are? And that includes your name. Because the answer is that you're not what you believe you are. Right. Is that just more of the ego's identification with the, the positive and the negative? For example, I've been in an exploration around narcissism over the last uh, couple years and that over-exaggerated sense of self-importance that you speak about. Can you, can you talk to that for a minute? Well, we also can see that, that what you call ego, your ego, is what you also call your dragon or your identity, what you think you are but is not you. You know, that image you created when you was growing up, because everybody have an opinion of you, and you have hear so many opinions from everywhere, and your brain is so great that your brain integrates everything and trying to please everyone and create an image of you that can please, or at least try to please everybody around you, including your parents, brothers, sisters, teachers, friends, etc., then you create an image that you think you are. And you practice it for so long that when you grow up, you can swear that you are that image. Everything is about you. Well, the whole story is about you. But that you that is the ego, the dragon, parasite, whatever you want to call it. But when somebody comes and lets you know something that is extremely important, that you don't have to be you. You don't have to please yourself. You don't have to judge yourself. You don't have to feel the shame or the guilt. You don't have to be you. Just by knowing that, something very heavy go away from you. And you start feeling freedom. The freedom just to be whatever you are. That you don't have to be afraid of everybody else's opinion. You don't have to be afraid for your own opinion. Because that ego is so big that everything, whatever they say, is about you. Or whatever you think is about you. Because in that point of view, you're the center of the universe. And it's not real. And that's a living hell that you speak about, Miguel. Exactly. That is, that is the, uh, the mitote. Uh-huh. Oh, man. All right. So what are some action steps or lack of action to take in order to, to sort of make that shift? Well, first of all, don't take it personal. Your dragon has a whole belief system, and he's judging you all the time and punish you all the time. And your punishment is your self-rejection. You're not good enough. 
you're not strong enough, you're not intelligent enough, you should be ashamed, then you take it personally. And really has nothing to do with you, even if it's your own dream. Then don't believe yourself. Just listen what you say, but don't believe it. And you will see almost right away that it's just nonsense. Because it's a bunch of lies. Because it's not true that you're not good enough. Yes, you are. It's not true that you're not strong enough. Yes, you are. Just don't believe yourself. But listen. Then your dragon starts coming weaker and weaker and weaker. And you become stronger and stronger and stronger. Love it. Now that's the fifth agreement, Miguel, is it not? To, exactly. to listen. Exactly. Be skeptical. Be skeptical, but learn to listen. So that I'd love to hear you expand on the fifth agreement. Yes, because this is the end of your world or the end of your story. Because when you no longer believe yourself, the whole story collapses and is not true. Your whole world just collapses. And you no longer live in that personal hell. From that point, whatever you do, you will create your personal heaven. And you will live in love. And that heaven will go with you wherever you go. I'm just humbled and grateful to have you on the show today, Miguel. What are you up to? I know you have a new book coming out. It's I'm sure it dovetails on to the conversation we've been in today. What are you up to now? Well, this book is... Uh, the Toltec Art of Life and Death. And it's about the story of the time that I was in coma. I was nine weeks in coma. And what happened in that story is what I call the retention of knowledge, or you may say the defeat of the dragon. It's kind of the same thing. So more Toltec teachings from your filtered through your perspective in the coma and what you've gleaned from being in the coma. Is that right? Well, yes, we could uh, remind everybody that the word Toltec means artist. And the world of the Toltec is the world of the artist. And we humans, we all are artists, even if we don't know. Then to talk about Toltec wisdom is about to talk about the, the wisdom of the artist. That art comes from unconditional love, the most beautiful art. And the, the art is, can you expand on beautiful art? How does that show up in the world for you and for others? Well, when you change your eyes, we can say in that way, from the eyes of a victim who see everything with pessimism, everything with fear, everything so threatening, into the eyes of an artist, then the eyes of the artist is looking for the beauty. And that beauty gives you pleasure and make you feel all that wonderful love. Then you see the beauty, you love it, you put your passion and you get inspiration. And then you become one with your own art. Where other people see only misery, you see beauty. Miguel, how do people find out about the new book? When does it come out and what's the plan? Do you have any workshops related to that or what's going on with it? Sure, the book will be released in October this year. And right after the release, I will go to five big cities in the States, like New York, um, Florida, LA, maybe Seattle, maybe Denver, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. And can you share a little bit about some of the travels? I'm, I bet that 
Is it Teotihuacan? How do you say that down in Mexico? It's Teotihuacan. Teotihuacan. I've seen that a couple times. And I mean, what are some of the journeys that you've taken people on that you love to go on yourself? Well, in the word Teotihuacan is translated as the place where a human awakening becomes God. I prefer to say the place where human awakening becomes the truth. Then this is a, a place, a very powerful place that have a whole map of how to change your personal world, how to transcend from the victim to the warrior to the master, how to find the truth or the unconditional love, and how to detach from all those fears, from all those uh, superstitions, from everything that keep you from enjoy every moment of your life. Can you give us a little bit of uh, expansion on from victim to warrior to master? What does that look like? Well, let's see. A victim is this human who lives his life in complete irrational fear. He's afraid of everything, including and mainly to himself. And when he go around the world, have all those fears, all those limitations, live the life with shame, with guilt. And at a certain moment, it transcends to a warrior when he's deciding to face that dragon. To face the dragon, it doesn't mean he's going to win or lose. But at least he's trying. He's in an inner war, a war that only exists in the human mind. And for a long time, we used to believe that was between good and bad. But good and bad is just the result of that conflict. Right. Because the truth is that is the conflict is between the truth and lies. When we believe in truth, we are good. When we believe in lies, we are bad in different degrees. Depends how strong and distorted is that lie. Then in that conflict, being a warrior, we try and try and try. And usually a warrior die trying. But the moment comes when the warrior stop trying. And don't try any longer. Just take the action. Don't try, just do it. And when that happens, it transcends from the warrior into the master. Then the master wins the war already. And have inner peace, have unconditional love, and have respect. And always begin with himself and continue with all the brothers and sisters. When I respect myself, I respect in you. And I respect everybody who is listening to me. When I love myself, I love you, and I love everybody who is listening to me. Then it becomes a complete union with the rest of humanity. Because we are only one, really. So this is how we are transcending. It's just so easy to forget how interconnected we are, and we get in our own story and our own drama. You know, and I pray that the work that we're doing in the world, Miguel, is going to wake even one person up. <laughs> That's really my... My commitment. Well, it's going to wake a lot of people, not only one person. Mm-hmm. And the key is to do it without expecting anything in return. We just do it because this is what we love to do. In any way, what it comes in return is even bigger than what we're expecting. Right. Now, would you say that the warrior is still a little bit self-focused and then the master has transcended the, the self-absorption is now focused on uh, right humanity? Here, right now, in the present moment. So if there was one action you could have people take today, what would that be? 
Well, I will ask them to help me to change the world. And I'm not talking about the world of the humanity, no. The world that they create, the personal world, the only one that they really can change. If they can change their own world, they will help us to change the entire world. That's a beautiful way to end it here, Miguel. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute honor to have you on the Face Your Dragon podcast today. And I've been a fan for years reading The Four Agreements, Mastery of Love, The Fifth Agreement, Five Levels of Attachment from Miguel Ruiz Jr. Just, I'm just so, so honored and grateful to have you on the show today. Well, I'm very happy with all of you, not just the ones who are listening, but even the ones who are not listening. Because if they don't hear me, they hear somebody else and somebody else. There's a lot of people around the world that they're doing the same thing. That's awesome. So they're going to find you, Miguel, at miguelruiz.com. What is the website? Yes, it's uh, miguelruiz.com. And, well, I will be so, so happy to all of you. And just help me to change the world. I'm I'm with you on that one, sir. (laughs) (laughs) I'm with you. All righty. Okay, my friend. Have an amazing day, Miguel. Thank you so much. Yes, you too. And don't forget to have fun. Yeah, we've got to have fun, right? That's so important. Thank you so much for that reminder. That might have been the biggest gift of the entire interview is have fun. Okay, everybody, have fun. Bye-bye. Bye. I want to thank our guests again for sharing their hearts and brilliance with us. Thank you, Don Miguel Ruiz. Thank you, Bruce Cryer. We're so grateful for your contribution to the world. You can find out more about Miguel at miguelruiz.com and Bruce Cryer at brucecryer.com. As we dive deeper into Facing Your Dragon, I want to offer the opportunity for you to discover the number one hidden fear stopping you from earning what you're worth. Be sure to take the one-minute quiz at couragequiz.com. And if there's something here I mentioned that you want to review again, keep in mind we keep all the notes for you, including links to everything we talked about today. You can find the show notes for the episode at faceyourdragon.com forward slash episode 001. And finally, I would like to invite you to subscribe and leave a five-star review for the Face Your Dragon podcast by visiting faceyourdragon.com forward slash subscribe. Be sure to share this episode with your tribe on social media if it was useful for you. We'd love that. And join our conversation in the Face Your Dragon Facebook group as we talk more about your greatest fears being the very thing that will set you free. Tune in to episode two as I'll be talking with another one of my all-time favorite authors, Dr. Gay Hendricks, who's been an Oprah guest and on well over 500 TV and radio spots as we explore how fear keeps you from living in your zone of genius, allowing all that you have ever dreamed of having in your life, and how you self-sabotage over and over and over when you're not living in it. And the big difference between living a self-serving hedonic life or a purposeful and meaningful eudaimonic life, it's all about the human genome. And check out other episodes with some of my brilliant friends like Barnett Bain, the producer of What Dreams May Come with the late Robin Williams, as we explore how leading your life from your intellect prevents you from experiencing true peace and abundance and how spending time up close with Robin Williams and his big, big heart for the better part of a year will change you. And also how therapeutic drug use that some call medicine can be transformational and heal disintegrated parts of you and give more and make more. 
And Christine Carlson joins me, the co-author of the international blockbuster and best-selling book, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, with over 30 million copies in print, nine books in all in the series as we explore how most things are really small things, but we blow them up into big things, and how rapid onset of grief from a passing of someone very close to you or any other life-altering experience can generate your deepest life purpose and big work in the world. And also how being present will allow your gifts and joy to flow, creating what your deepest heart desires. Also, pretty much the baddest dude I know on the planet, Satyan Raja from Warrior Sage, as we discuss the state of the world and how fear runs you and keeps you focused on self-preservation instead of your calling. And how overcomplicating your deepest purpose and mission adds many unnecessary steps and slows you down. And also, how net profit is the key but only adding to it by avoiding the dark side of massive action. And then two of my favorite world-renowned comedians you've probably seen in movies or on Showtime or Comedy Central who blend consciousness with comedy. The first, my brother Kyle Cease, as we explore how allowing the present moment to speak through you perfectly creates everything with ease and joy, and how evolving out loud with courage while facing fear will get you in touch with the heavy or the light to guide you to your money and your mission. And how noticing the emerging of what is true for you will show you your ego self and how it keeps you in scarcity. And the second, the one and only love master, Craig Shoemaker, as we explore how love is the key and without humor and levity, we stay locked up. And how being spiritually fit and connecting to a higher source will allow you to be in faith instead of fear. And how language or your addiction to it is preventing you from experiencing all that you desire. These incredible beings and many more on the Face Your Dragon podcast. See you on the next show. And remember, when you face your dragon and take the leap, you will break free.